That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. And if when we, when we gather together in this house, we come expecting. I, I love, it's not just because I'm assembly of God, but I love using the metaphor of the dinner table. And uh, it is a lot because I, I love me some, some eating. Come on. Somebody say amen for them old school afterglows. That's what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, where you couldn't even pay attention to the preaching because you could smell the chicken back there. Come on. But there's always a place at the table. There is always a place for you at the table. And this is what Jesus, Jesus describes this when he says, when we pray like this, our Father, our Father. He's inviting us into the family of God. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if you do family table at your house. I hope you do because it's a very, it's a good thing to do. But sometimes we sit at the family table and our kids tell us the wildest and craziest things that they did at school or didn't do at school. And there is something to that, to that spiritual family table. And that's what this is. We are meeting together, gathered together, expecting God to bring fulfillment and expecting God to be faithful because we're all gathered in one accord. Come on. So good. So good. And my man, Brandon. Hey, I want to look at uh, uh, one of the minor prophets real quickly this morning. I told the worship team, I said, hey, y'all go, y'all go long if you want to, because I don't have very many notes. And uh, they did, they did so good. Man, uh, this minor prophet is called Haggai. You may, you may pronounce it as Haggai. Um, that's okay. Either way, uh, it's hard to find because it's, it's real short. <laughs> so um, if you'll turn to that, it's in the Old Testament right before Zechariah. And uh, just give you a little background on what's going on here. I think it's really important. Oh, by the way, next Sunday, I'm super, super excited about this. Next Sunday evening, so we're not having Elevate tonight. Next Sunday night, we're having baptism. And y'all, we're going to get real Pentecostal on them. We're going to bring the anointing and anoint some fish. Come on, and some oil. We're going to fry some fish, and we're going to baptize some folks. And dude, I could not be more excited about that. I've been telling everybody at my workplace, like, hey, we baptizing folks, and they're probably tired of hearing about it. But hey, if you're here this morning and you want to be baptized, uh, I, I do ask you this. If you'll meet me in the fellowship hall for like five minutes after service this morning, just want to go over a couple of things, okay? Cool? All right, cool. But hey, so we're doing that next Sunday evening, and that'll be back here in the back. Uh, it's going to be so, so fun. Uh, so let me give you a little background. I think it's really important when we are uh, when reading the Word of God that we understand that this is, especially in the Old Testament, these are ancient texts, okay? This isn't something that someone came up with, uh, you know, in the 1800s or whatever. This is something that is very, very, very ancient. Ancient, And so we need to understand the history and the context because a lot of times context is key and we have to understand, even getting into things like grammar, if you can understand those things, you can really 
pull a lot more out of the Word of God than if you just, just kind of scam through it. Now listen, I believe this. I don't want to tell you that you have to be like a Hebrew scholar to read the Bible because you don't. Anytime that you are in the Word, that's good time. But if you can get and really begin to study deeper and understand why this, you know, why they did this and why they did that. And so let me give you some background this morning. So we're looking at Haggai, and it says, uh, so the background is, uh, the temple is destroyed. And so we know that, that there was a temple built in Jerusalem, and it was a wondrous thing. We know that when Solomon had the temple, that the queen of Sheba came, and she said, wow, this is awesome. And people traveled from all over the known world at that time to visit, and it was just so stinking spectacular. And what happened? It got destroyed, uh, and the Hebrew people were taken into captivity. So uh, King Cyrus allowed the exiles to return home to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. We read about that in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, okay? We studied those, those books before. And so they, they go back to rebuild. And, and let me ask you this. Have you ever, wives, y'all cooperate and don't be elbowing your husbands at this moment. Have you ever started a project and you didn't finish it? See, that's what I meant when I said don't be doing that. Look, have you ever started something and just didn't finish? That's what happened. So they started the work, and then they had physical opposition. People were literally trying to kill them. In the book of Nehemiah, we read about these guys that had to, they had to be building, but they had to have their swords ready. And so that happened, and then there was some spiritual opposition. And the people stopped building the temple, and this is what they did, and this is where Haggai comes in. They stopped focusing on God's house and started focusing on their houses, uh-oh, could that be problematic? Just a hair, just a little? So this is what Haggai says, uh, verse 2 and two to 6 uh, says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you, are, you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. There's no fulfillment. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Wow. Wow. We could pray and repent right there. Come on. Is there ever a point in our lives where we start focusing on ourselves so much that we forget about what God's trying to do? 
Is there ever a point where, and I think this could go many different ways. You know, maybe you, you kind of just having a pity party and you're just like, well, I can't do any better. And God's over here trying to lift you up and trying to build you into something and trying to do something great in your life. And you're just like, no, I can't. Or maybe pride comes into play. I think pride takes down more people than, any, than anything else. Pride comes into play and you're like, man, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be kind. I'm not going to be long-suffering with folks. I'm going to just start biting off heads. I'm going to go crazy. I was thinking about this, y'all. This is, this is free. But I was thinking about how many times when I'm preaching, I give grocery store examples. Like, man, you, you might cuss somebody out in a grocery store. And I was standing in Brookshire's the other day. And I was like, bro, is this place really that dangerous? Like, are there really people in here by the bell peppers, like cussing people out? And so we're going to change it up a little. You might be at the tire shop cussing somebody. You might be because tires are expensive. Let me quit. So (laughs) you guys remember when house flip shows got really huge? Anybody remember that? So I remember Brittany and I, we were super exciting when we were dating. And so we'd hang out and watch house flip TV. Like you guys are lame. We would watch flip that house and all these other, you remember it was so crazy. You'd have this couple, they're like moving to Southern California from like rural Kentucky. And they're like, he was a butterfly farmer and she was a stay at home butter maker. And like their budget was like $4.6 million. You remember it was, it was always crazy stuff like that. And so we watched these, these house flip shows and the best home makeover show ever. You guys know what it was. It was Extreme Makeover Home Edition with Ty Pennington. Because what would they say at the end of every episode? They'd do all this stuff to the house. They'd, they'd refit and they would retrim and they'd put fake grass in the bedrooms and stuff. Do all kinds of wild, crazy stuff. And at the end, the, the whole time, the family would be like at Disneyland, right? And so they're hanging out with Mickey Mouse and all these people are tearing their house down and putting new stuff up. And then at the end of the show, what would happen? Ty would come out and he would say, his voice was terrible, y'all. He was like, ah. he would say, move that bus. And they'd move the bus and everybody would cry because they're thinking about all the insurance and tax they're going to have to pay on that house. But anyway, <laughs> everybody would get super excited because now their house is so awesome. It's so cool. And so, man, so here's the thing. That's cool and that's great and you got to have a great dwelling place, but you need to make sure that not, not just, let's not talk about so much a, a dwelling place for you, but a dwelling place for God because you don't just, you're not just someone that stays in a house, you are a house, come on, you are a temple, you are a temple of God. So we talked about this a little bit in Grow You this morning. When Jesus was crucified, when he died, the veil was torn in the temple, signifying that the presence of God does not have to dwell in a box, in a temple somewhere far away. The presence of God can and will and wants to dwell in his people. Somebody say amen. Come on. And, and so we talk about being Pentecostal. Pentecost is not about tongues. Pentecost is not about uh, walking on the back of these seats. Do not walk on the back of these seats. It's not about, well, you can't swing from the chandeliers because we got rid of them. Listen, Pentecost is not about a Jericho march. Those things are fun. Come on. Pentecost is about presence. Pentecost is about stopping and saying, hey, I want to be a dwelling place for the presence and the spirit of God. I want to do that. 
Okay, that's what Pentecostalism is all about. Because when you become a dwelling place for the Spirit of God, things change. Your life will change. I don't think when you're full of the Holy Spirit and you've got the presence of God in your heart, come on, you like fire shut up in your bones. Come on, we're going to sing that Pentecost Sunday. Y'all ain't ready. Listen, I believe that when you are full of the Holy Ghost like that, when the presence of God is dwelling in your temple, that you're not going to do certain things. You're not going to say certain things. You're going to hesitate. You're going to stop, you know, instead of freaking out on somebody, instead of slamming a door and, and throwing stuff and getting mad and going into a rage, instead of lying and cheating and stealing and doing all of these sinful things, failing to love God and failing to love people. Instead of doing, I believe that when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will stop, you will hesitate, and you may go through with those things. You may still fail, and you probably will still fail at times, but I believe you'll take pause because the Spirit of God is in you. Come on. And so this is what we want to be. We, this, this, the point of my sermon this morning is setting up a temple, is finishing the temple. Finish the temple. We want to be God's dwelling place. And see, the problem here in, in, in this the first part of this book, and you can go home and read Haggai today. It's only two chapters. It's a very small book, but it's a very big message. Finish the temple. The problem is these guys got, they, they got bored, and they gave up, and they quit. You ever feel like quitting because something didn't, didn't work out immediately the way you wanted it to? You just want to quit. And, man, you know, we, so we coach ball. We try to coach ball. <laughs> Thank goodness for Donna. She helps us coach. We wouldn't be able to do it without Donna. But so we go and we try to coach ball. And man, we, had a, we had a kid on our team and, and the parent uh, quit. The parent got mad because, you know, things weren't going the way they thought they should go. And they just quit. And we said, man, what, you know, it's so sad. We wanted to play. You know, we want your, team, your kid to be able to play. But they quit. Y'all, in our society, the way it is, we quit. We quit fast. People quit jobs. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had something called the Great Resignation, where everybody quit their job. And so many people were unemployed, and it wasn't because of COVID. It wasn't because of anything like that. It was because people just started quitting their jobs. People will quit jobs when they get hard and they get frustrating. People will quit. Uh, th- listen, people will quit marriages. Come on. People will quit marriages when it gets tough, when it gets hard. I don't know a single person that's been married more than 12 minutes that didn't have some difficulty in their marriage. Okay? Just because it gets hard, just because it gets difficult, doesn't mean that you should abandon the whole thing. No, God, I believe that God calls people together. Come on. And just because it gets difficult doesn't mean that you should abandon the whole thing. And that's what got these people in trouble. And God said, you're not fulfilled. He said, you drink and you're still thirsty. You eat and you're still hungry. Come on. Because you have neglected to finish the temple. You haven't given me a place. And that is at the very core of so many of our issues. We haven't given God a place. We'll run around talking about, well, you better quit doing that. You better quit vaping. You're going to give the devil a foothold. You better quit listening to that. I heard you listening to that K94.5 radio. You're going to give the devil a foothold. And we will run our mouth about the devil getting a foothold in somebody's stuff, but we don't give God a foothold at all. We don't give God a place. You with me this morning? 
You with me this morning? I ain't trying to get all up in your business. Actually, yes, I am. Neglected temple. These are, uh, when, when you feel like you're coming up short, come on, you say, man, pastor, I just feel like I'd, I just feel like I can't get ahead. You need to check. Maybe, maybe you've neglected the temple. Maybe you've neglected to prepare the dwelling place. Here's what happens. Let me hurry. We're almost out of time. Would you neglect to maintain and create the dwelling place for God in your heart? When you neglect the dwelling place, let me give you this. Sometimes the things that you're blessed with will flip around and become the things that you're stressed with. Let me say that again. Sometimes the things that God has blessed you with will become things that you're really stressed with. Come on, God has blessed you with a really great... By the way, if you noticed, the walls got painted this week. So thank you, Brother Sean, for getting in here, taking care of business. Come on, looks good. So, yeah, so God has blessed you with uh, this great facility. Come on. And, but sometimes you get so stressed out going to church, you're just like, oh, my gosh, we got to go to church. Pastor JB thinks his jokes are funny. Some of them are funny. Pastor JB thinks his jokes are funny, and we got to listen here, and we got to give him courtesy laughs, or he gets his feelings hurt. Or sometimes we walk in church and we are so expected. Y'all, this is what we do. And I, I'm going to say this because I've done it so many times. You walk in knowing that the Holy Spirit's going to move and you, you are afraid. You are afraid that God is going to call you into a closer walk. That God is going to kind of call you out and say, hey, you haven't given me a place to live in your heart. You need to get on that. And sometimes we walk in here just kind of like, ugh. And so a thing that should be a blessing, the gathering of the saints that should be a blessing and an awesome time together becomes a stressing. Come on, your job, something that God has blessed you with, if you, don't, if you neglect the temple, it will become something that you are nothing but stressed out with. You can't even function. And again, let's talk about marriage because marriage is an institution that God created way, 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 way back. God didn't fool around very long before he created marriage. And you better believe that every marriage, uh, you know, some people do something called a covenant marriage. Every marriage is a covenant. They're all covenants. And they're all sacred. We call it holy matrimony for a reason. Let me get on marriage for a second, okay? People quit marriages. Do you know why I think marriages fall apart? Because somebody neglected the temple. When, when, when people come in here and they get married, this is what I tell them. I say, I want your marriage to be like this. I want you guys to have God in two places. I want you to have God at the foundation of your relationship, and I want him up at the top. That way, when you guys have to lean, you ain't just leaning on each other. You need to lean on each other. You need to trust your spouse. You need to find comfort and solace and safety in your spouse. But what if they have to find that? Come on. And so we lean in on Jesus and let that thing, that way it's not going to fall apart. And so what happens in marriages that begin to fall apart, that begin to have so many issues, is somebody neglected the temple. If you really want to get real, all the things in our lives that start to go wrong, it's probably because somebody neglected the temple. You get what I'm saying this morning? You forget that God is supposed to dwell within you and empower you, and you neglect that dwelling place. I'm not saying you eat too much sugar. I'm saying that you don't keep the doors open for the presence of God to come in because you let other things take his place. So let me give you this. 
So he closes, he closes this book, Haggai, with this. He gives us some hope. And he says, so the people, they, they, they listen, they say, okay, God, we hear you. We're going to go and we're going to build the temple. We're going to rebuild. And they go do that. And God strengthens, strengthens them. And let me give you something this morning. Whenever you begin to obey God's word, he will strengthen you. When you begin to follow in the path that Christ has given you, he will empower you. Let me just give you that. But then he says this. He says, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? He's talking about the old temple. He says, who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give you peace declares the Lord of hosts. Y'all, the best, we say it all the time, the best is yet to come. Eyes up, shoulders back, prepare yourself, mind ready. Listen, you can't receive if you don't expect. The best blessing of your life is ahead. I believe the best walk with Jesus is ahead because there's always room for growth in our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen? And so if we remember that the temple is not to be neglected, that, they, that we must always, come on, we sing that song, Make Room, that we always make room in our heart and in our life for God to dwell, for him to have a dwelling place. When we do that, the glory that comes in is better, and it gets better than it's ever been. Come on, sometimes we, st- we talk about, well, you remember the glory days? Boy, I remember way back when. It was so good, they didn't have no Wi-Fi. 5G wasn't making people go crazy. Come on, you get to talking about that kind of stuff. And I remember some fun things in the, you know, when I was a kid, I remember things weren't as, seemed like things weren't as complicated. You didn't have a computer in your face all day long. But let me tell you something, with God, it's not like that. There wasn't a time where God was doing really cool stuff and he's just like, hey, I'm gonna take a break for a while. I'm kind of worn out. Come on, there's not a time like that because God doesn't just get, God doesn't get tired and just give up and stop and stop pouring out his spirit. He says, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on all people, sons and daughters. Come on, somebody. You with me this morning? And so here's what I want you to do as we get ready to leave this house this morning. I want you to be expectant. I want you to be expecting that when we create a place, when we do not neglect the temple, when we're faithful to finish the temple and to work on the temple. You ever if you lived in a house, you haven't lived there long before something broke. Come on, we bought a house. We bought our first house in 20 was it 21? So we bought our first house. Y'all, we lived there like 12 minutes. And my son, we had this sliding glass door, Jared. And I'm talking about this dude got a belt. And he was just doing whirly birds. I don't know. He thought he was dancing in the spirit. I don't know what he thought he was doing. And the belt hit the door. Miss Gloria, I'm serious. We lived there like two days and broke the door. 
So if you've stayed somewhere, you have to do maintenance. You have to fix things from time to time. And so here's the thing. I want you to remember this as we close this morning. Maintenance has to happen on the temple, on the dwelling place. We got to fix things because sometimes there needs to be repairs. You know, maybe somebody wronged you. And you're like, man, God, I'm just really struggling with that. This person, you know, maybe they've betrayed you in some way, and you're just really struggling. And so what do you do? Instead of getting mad and letting anger and rage and, and unforgiveness take the place in the, in the temple that God has reserved for himself, instead of letting that take over, make room. Say, hey, God, I need repairs right here. And so if you'd stand with me this morning, I just want to do something. I want to pray together. And I thank God for the, for the outpouring of the Spirit this morning. So good. But I want to do something as we close because I think there's probably a few of us here that maybe some things are broken in the dwelling place. Maybe there's a window that's got a little crack in it or, or maybe there's a, you know, something that's just off just a little bit. Let me tell you something. Something being off just a hair can cause a bigger issue on down the line. Amen. Maybe it's time for some maintenance. Maybe it's time for us to reflect and say, have I, and really be honest with ourselves, and ask, God, have I, have I, have I worked on the temple? Have I created a dwelling place for you? And remember that, that God says this, that when we do create a dwelling place, that the glory will be awesome, that the glory will be better, that it doesn't just fade out. So let's pray together. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning.